Astro Travelers, and welcome to another episode of Tales of Tabat, a Genshin Lore podcast. Last week, I gushed for far too long about one of my favorite found families as we talked about the Fontaine siblings, Linny, Lynette, and Fremine. Get your recorders ready, y'all, because today we graduate from hot cross buns. It's time for our final crescendo, the Wanderer's Troop and the resolution of Sojourner. Are you somersaulting across the internet? just slicing through content in search of merriment and unbridled joy, head over to our site, that's talesoftavat.com, where each tale of wonder has its own dedicated page with visuals that are bound to pluck not only your harp strings, but also your heart strings, as you are sent into the ring for your next brawl. Our site also includes links to our past seasons and special episodes, artist spotlights from the community for every single episode, and wallpapers to download. Let us know what you think of this episode and what you'd like to see in the future by emailing us at talesofthevotpod at gmail.com, following us on Twitter, talesofthevot, or following us on Instagram, talesofthevotpod. Additionally, feel free to review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen to the podcast. Thanks. Now, someone who got a pretty good review across Tavat back in ye old day was the Wanderer's Troop. But before we jump in and talk directly about them, the Wanderer's Troop is an artifact set and a weapon set that we get pretty immediately in the game. It's actually a really interesting phenomenon that we can only get the Wanderer's Troop and the Gladiator set from bosses, whether that be weekly or world bosses, but we really only get them from that sometimes maybe as like an Ascension award when it comes to like your world Ascension, but that's the only way you can get it. And that's why whenever you go in to upgrade your weapons, you always have a ton of those in your inventory <laughs> they're good they're so good to go on my artifact tangent there are some really good artifact combos that you can do with the wanderers set and the first time i ever got a high crit rate and crit damage on a goblet for wanderers troop i immediately put on ganyu immediately because <laughs> like it's probably one of her best in slots when it comes to artifact sets and like you could really put this on a lot of people if you haven't gotten to fontaine yet or like haven't really gone through the domains a lot but you have a lot of wanderers troop it's a really good start to put on nouvellette for when you are still farming for his better slots but it's it's a very good universal just like the gladiator set is a good universal it's great to just pop in fill out your sub stats with Mwah. Not going to lie, every time I have a Wanderer's Troop, I give it up. I was going to say, I was like, I'm starting to feel really bad. (laughs) (laughs) I was starting to feel really bad, though, because every time I get Wanderer's Troop, that shit turns right into another, like, level up piece. I'm like, oh, I have these other things I need to do. All my Wanderer's Troop all go into it. I mean, if you are playing with specific characters that don't need it it's great to throw in like you know our five star into it i don't even know if any of my people need it i like brandon said you get so many of them that they just become my disposable artifacts but the lore is fantastic (laughs) oh yes absolutely yeah i think i i usually use most of mine but i have a few i try to save like two or three per thing from every set like per artifact of every set and i know that like the wanderer's troop and the gladiator 
pieces that I have have really great stats because you get so many of them that you're bound to find ones with good stats. So I don't have them equipped on anyone, but I do have them just sort of saved in case I need them. I can't believe you guys actually save things in this game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. I mean, you only save miso soup. Only miso soup. But so we have the Wanderer's Troop artifact set, but we also have a weapon set that is also called the Wanderer's Troop. Oh my god, yes! They wanted to make sure that we didn't get them confused. <laughs> right? I know, it's like we always try to do an artifact set episode in every season, and we were like, oh, Wanderer's Troop, and I was like, weapon. No, Amanda. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Is it time that we introduce the weapon set like lore? <laughs> I mean, yeah, all these weapons in this game do have lore. I mean, I must talk about the Cinnabar Spindles lore like every day. Mm -hmm. I will say the only one that sucks is the, oh God, the memory, not the memory of dust, but whatever the fucking like supposed correct whole arm is for Zhongli. Oh, I don't know. Oh, the one that runs on his banner, you mean? Yeah, yeah, the worst. Yeah, I don't I don't use it. It's not great. No, it's not good. Staffahoma is best on him. I have it on him because it looks good. It looks so good. I play this game very different than a lot of people. <laughs> and a lot of it goes into aesthetic. Yeah, I have the catch on him. Good best in slot. Yeah, I think energy recharge is more valuable on him personally, the way I use him. I have the catch on Raiden, kind of for that reason. Yeah, it's good on both of them. But good weapons aside, I mean, these are good weapons too, I guess. But specific weapons. So we know we have what? The bell, stringless. The flute. We love the flute. And the widsith. The widsith. The Wood Sith is probably my most universal weapon, I feel. Yes. Like, I'm not going to lie. A fully refined Widsith can rival a lot of the five-star catalysts. If you put, like, an R5 Widsith on Klee... That's what I have. Oh! I have it on Mona. Wait, yeah, so wait. Let's quickly go through the, these weapons and, like, say who you have them on. Oh, yes, absolutely. I have the bell. I know it's not great for her, but I barely use her. But I have the bell on Noelle, so she could just stay shielded all the time. It is aesthetically great. Yes, it looks great on her. I have the flute on Singsho and the Witsith, like I said, on Mona. And the stringless I have on Kale and Fischl. And it's wonderful on both of them. Yeah. No, those are really yeah. Wow. I just have the Widsith on Kali. Oh, you don't have you don't you don't use the flute? Or do you do you not have the flute yet? Or oh I have lots of flutes that have been <laughs> given up to the wayside. <laughs> no. I had the flute originally on Xing Show as well, but now I have Ayato's sword on him instead. Ooh, power move. I'm a big fan of the weapon banner, so <laughs> the weapon banner, uh, it's a scam, but damn. I have the bell actually on Beto, and I think it works pretty Ooh. well on her. Oh yeah. I have it R5, you know, I think it's only at 70. But I also have the bell on Jinyan, but I also don't use her. I use the stringless on Venti and I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I use stringless on Diona as well. Yeah, that's really good. I have Witsith on Nouvellet, Riceley, and I was about to say Moonchild, as everybody else knows him as Wanderer. He's Moonchild in my <laughs> Oh, wow. that's good. That's really good. I have a, I have like a 10,000 of them too. So I, they're very refined. And I actually use the flute too. <laughs> you said moon child and my immediate thought was child. Oh my God. <laughs>
<laughs> I have the flute on Nilu. I thought I had it on somebody else too, but she deserves nothing. So take it off. Wow. <laughs> Your hatred is deep with her. It's not her <laughs> fault that you wished on the wrong banner. It's not her fault that all she did was do a pretty little dance in the Archon and become a five star <laughs> and get invited to the party and Tinyari didn't. Oh, yeah, but he's yeah. a five star. And he didn't get invited to the party. He almost died. And we were stuck inside her dream. Oh, yeah. Fuck that. She got me stuck. It's her fault. I wish that one day it comes out that he wasn't even hit by that lightning. It just hit near him and he got scared and like hurt his arm. It literally showed electrocution um, on I, him in that We didn't scene. see it. We didn't see it. We did not see him get hit. I agree with Tim. We no, did no, not no, see. No. In the after. No, no, we didn't see him get hit. But in the after effects, he's literally surrounded in electric. Like, he's literally, like, shocking every two seconds. <laughs> Is this our second debate club episode? <laughs> I only debate it because I'm using Fiends' words against her because she always <laughs> says she wishes she could have seen it. So I'm saying, well, yeah. we didn't see it, so we don't know. I actually, <laughs> I do feel like he was he was hit. I just like to rile her up. But let's also not forget, he doesn't have to have a direct hit because the ground is a conductor. And if he's not wearing rubber-soled shoes... Yep. He's but, gonna get fucked. Yeah, but so. Deha was right next to him. Anyway, so... She had rubber toe shoes! No, that bitch is wearing metal heels. But like, Tainari wears Doc Martens, so he should be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, Doc Brandon. Martin? Anyway. He wears Peter Pan shoes! What? What? Tainari? He wears... No, he wears those Doc Martin-looking boots. You're, are you thinking of Kave? Kave has Peter Pan-looking shoes. Okay, Al... So now that you're high on shoes, what weapons do you have on your characters? So let's let's go. So I have seven R5 flutes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I wish a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I only have it on one person right now. <laughs> and that's Shingshou. Mostly because I don't like how any of the other swords work with him and the artifacts i have on him i'm i'm working on it the bell i have it on two people right now i have three r5 bells and one's on noel for aesthetic and the other's on dory and i think i'll put the third one on fremine because i've seen a lot of interesting builds regarding like it can be pretty effective didn't his um character teaser or something have him using that weapon yeah aesthetic and then oh what's next stringless so i did have it on official but she now has thundering pulse <laughs> because milady and i have it on venti who else do i have it i think i have it on Faruzan. okay i think i can't remember if because i know i switched diona's one out for the sacrificial bow and then Widsit. Oh my god. Yes. Have it on Haizo. I have it on Klee. I have it on Yaimiko. I'm taking your wallet away from you. No! <laughs> you cannot! You cannot! Look, I like to wish, y'all. Oh, I'm sorry. a little shook by how many Widsiths y'all have, because I don't have that many. But I also don't almost never wish on the weapon banner. <laughs> I never do. The event banner likes to give me a full ten pull of crap. Of all weapons. <laughs> and it it annoys me to no end. 
So that's it's it's programmed to do that though. That's that's the whole thing because you get character, 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 weapon, character, character, character. Yeah, but weapon. I don't want a full ten pull of all weapons. That's true. You just got to get my not good. And same thing with the very few times that I have actually wished on the weapon banner, I have gotten characters, and that is a weird too. <laughs> that's the only time I got <laughs> razor. <laughs> so weapon banner. I like getting weapons, but I am willing to admit that I am the odd man out here. Uh, same. But I think me and you, Fini, are the same. I did want to say on the note of the Widsith that when I was doing research for this episode, I had the realization that catalysts a lot of times are just fucking books. But yeah. like books that people like read. <laughs> and, like yes. <laughs> You know, that book, like, people read. <laughs> not not like a decorative book, then. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I just imagine these things as, like, I don't know, ceramic books. I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> And then I was reading about the Widsith, and it was like, there's music written inside. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, and I'm letting Klee and her bombs run around with that? That is not up to archival standards. <laughs> no. no. Oh, my God. Vanessa would be so furious with a lot of fire near that. I'm furious. <laughs> when you assume like a catalyst is having a, is it has a spell book and then like one one of my favorite and I'm this is so random but my favorite three star catalyst is the Tales of the Dragon booky thingy. Of course, because it's dragons. One dragons, <laughs> two it's second ascension. Amazing, because it's a gold dragon on it, and I put that shit on Babala. Is it a pep? No. The gold dragon eye, like that bitch has. No, the gold dragon is this dick. No. I'm oh, wow. Okay, wow. strongly. <laughs> Truly. Tr anyway. <laughs> but we talked a little bit about like the physicalities of these items and the wanderer's troop, but I think it's really important to know that the wanderer's troop was actually a wandering troop. Very original name. Ten points for that. They didn't just play music. Mm -hmm. They fucked people up. No, no, they tried to. But before we jump into their attempts and failures, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the time period that this is going to be taking place in. So our main story takes place at the time of Mondstadt's aristocracy being in charge still. It's about a thousand years ago. This is the time when the Lawrence clan, aka Eula's family, that some of you may know, Miss Vengeance in the corner... When her family was in charge, the Lawrence clan was eventually overthrown by Vanessa. So the Wanderer's troop perished, you know, sorry, spoiler <laughs> alert, probably a few years before Vanessa, like, rescued Mondstadt with Venti. Yeah. yeah. Vanessa, Vanessa didn't meet them as a troop ever. She does eventually meet some of them. The, the troop has already been disbanded. And if you're wondering what we're talking about when we say Vanessa rescued Mondstadt with Venti, that is covered in the manga. I thought you were going to say it's not the Vanessa who likes Venti who's on our episodes. Because <laughs> right. it does go hand in hand a little too well. It does. <laughs> but also, we cover it in our Vanessa episode. Yeah, Vanessa, Lawrence clan. You name anything in Monset's past, it's in that episode. <laughs> that being said, though, the Wanderers troop was around a thousand years ago. And they were this awesome troop. And they went around playing music and none of them were from one place 
they all were from different areas of the world. I know one was from Fontaine. We had one that was actually from Mondstadt. Some of the others was a little unknown where they're from. But they basically traveled across Tavat playing music. But they didn't have regular music things. They didn't have a clarinet or a bassoon. They had swords and books that made music. <laughs> which I will say, it took me a very long time to realize that like the flute made music. When I was using it back in ye old day when I first started, I was like, where the fuck are these music notes coming from? Oh my god. I had no idea. I really didn't. I think because I used Barbara a lot, so I just assumed that like Barbara was also putting out music notes, I guess. Yeah. That it wasn't just whoever had the sword. <laughs> well, didn't I think that you you had on Shang Yun you had one and I would always be like, Why does he have popsicles? Oh, it wasn't yeah. popsicles, it was whatever weapon it is yeah the one claymore that i had on shang yun would put like little swords around him i don't remember what claymore it was was that the sacrificial it might be it wasn't the dragon spine one no no because that's what he has on now i oh, think okay well this is the black cliff shang yun aside <laughs> shang yun will get his day don't worry but there are four founding members of the Wanderers troop and four main characters but we are led to believe that there were more than just the four that they had people from all over Tavat joining them as well. And their founder was called the Conductor. Yes, because every musical troupe needs a conductor. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that. They don't need a conductor, but they chose a conductor. I mean, this is not a one-man band. This is an orchestra. I don't know. An orchestra of five. Of four. Yeah. That's like the size of like the Jonas Brothers. Are you including the baby bro? Uh, yeah, Frankie Jonas is included in that. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> but we don't know where the conductor is from or anything like that, correct? Correct. We know very little about him. I'm going to just guess that it was Fontaine because he had a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or possibly Shania, or I have my own theory on it and we'll get there. I would also say Fontaine is a pretty good guess just because his co-founder was also from Fontaine. So it makes sense that they like made it together while at home. The sojourner. So here's the sojourner. They refer to him as the harpist sometimes. The too. harpist, yeah. I just I just think of him as Brock from Pokemon. Why? Because when we get to his lore, he seems like a player until a certain point. <laughs> Interesting. That's the same arc Brock. Moroku, Shanji from One Piece, like they all have that fucking shit. They're players, they will, they're popular and handsome. And then all of a sudden, they get struck down by Nurse Joy and they don't know what to do with themselves. Well, I guess then, since we don't really know a lot about the conductor, why don't we talk about the Sojourner? The Sojourner was from Fontaine. And one of my favorite things about him is they said that he like would trick birds into their death. Yes. He would, by playing the stringless, yeah, he would lure birds over to him and then he would take the stringless, whip it around, put an arrow in it and go shoot them. Which granted, for food, whatever. Granted, we all do it to Timmy's pigeons. Fuck Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing it. So I guess his harp is doing that. What was the, what's the fairy tale with the harp that sings? There's, There's a, a harp, harp that, that sings? sings? It's uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. It's the golden harp. Oh man, I don't know anything about Jack and the Beanstalk. He had some beans. It's really the the crux of it. I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> 
I had to, I, it must have been a made for TV movie because all I can think of is a harp that had the weird boobies. Um, that's what? not in my version of Jack and the Beanstalk, but I don't know what you've been watching. Look. <laughs> anyway, booby tarts aside, those, those are two of our four official members of the troupe. We also have the Dawn's Light Swordswoman, who was known as a very beautiful, wonderful, lovely person, gorgeous inside and out. And they eventually befriended in Mondstadt, Ragenvender, who is said to be an ancestor of Krapus and Diluc. And we'll talk a little bit about their story in a few minutes, but they were the one who held the flute, and the flute played music for them when they battled. Again, what the frick? And lastly... <laughs> we have Kreutzlied, who was an exiled member of the Lawrence clan, which is wild because he eventually tries to do something about it himself with the troop. Yeah, I wonder if Eula is just sort of like, you know, has a shrine to him in her bedroom or something. Yeah, I hope so. Because there are a lot of in-game parallels that we could draw to a lot of these characters. And I mean, it makes sense. There, I mean, there's always going to be good people and bad people, and it seems like this one, this dude, this this Lawrence dude was like, fuck this! I'm out of here! <laughs> yeah. And so that actually brings us to the story of the Wanderer's Troop, or at least what we know of their story, because between the Wanderer's Troop artifact set slash weapon set, and then the resolution of the Sojourner artifact set, we get a pretty good look at one of the troop members, for the most part, but the Wanderer's Troop gives us more of an inclination into all of them. So we know that they wandered, they were from different places, they played Mari Javari, which I just have so many questions about, and like, Mari Javari is literally known to be this desert place across Tavat from Mondstadt where lava is everywhere. Like, it's it's this, like, crazy place. It's home to a phoenix that is worshipped like a god by the humans that live there. I mean, this place sounds literally like Natlon. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's speculated. Um, I know it's it's not truly confirmed, but in a lot of places where the Mari Javari is referenced, it is either in or near Natlon. Yeah, it's definitely, it, but for me, it sounds like it is all of Natlon from yes. what we know about it. That's like the weird thing to me. Yeah, in my mind, I see Natlon as just a sea of lava, like that last scene in, in Star Wars when oh, I, I have, have the, the high ground, ground. Anakin. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's so interesting. And I also found out that another artifact set has some information about Mari Jabari because apparently the lava walker was like a sage and he actually went out to he was like in that lawn and he made this circlet and with this circlet he was like i can survive the flames of mari javari and all of his friends were like no you can't fucking try it and so he tried it and he survived and for like years he would just keep doing it i don't know what he was doing it for but he kept doing it and then eventually he died so again mari javari so 
Yeah, then he just well, died. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. if you believed in Barbados, your soul was just stuck there. Which is so scary. Yeah. No, there's no wind. And people of Mondstadt felt, believed that that's what happened to your soul after you died. You needed the wind for Barbados to take you home. Yeah, like the wind couldn't come and rescue your soul type of thing. It kind of helps explain why Venti does not like the Pyro Archon. Yeah, he's probably not allowed in Natlon. <laughs> Venti was banned. We know this part too from our story of real and fake Stanley. We've gone over a couple times, but it's a uh, part of Venti's story quest too. So if anybody's interested in that, go take a listen to that episode. Yeah, and I think the saddest part about Venti's storyline is that like Venti's like, yeah, I'll help Stanley's soul cross to the other side and then he turns to us and he's like no I'm not I can't access that bitch but I'm gonna make this guy I think I am <laughs> that might not be the exact quote but pretty, kind of pretty close it was, think, good, it was pretty close I think that was word for word actually <laughs> and then Venti like winked at us and stuck his tongue out yeah exactly and then we went back to the homies in the Wanderers troop who were playing for their foes in Mari Javari for some reason like, I I have so many questions about, like, how they got there. Like, did the people of the Wanderers Troop ever meet the Lava Walker? I don't know. But they traveled there and they played there. They survived and they specifically played for their foes there. So, like, God bless, I guess. <laughs> I love it that they had, like, a world tour. <laughs> they were the first, Alice. Meanwhile... Marco Meatball's character in Genshin can't even get one continent leeway going. Oh, that's right. Was that around Lantern Right? <laughs> that was last year's Lantern Right when we got the beauty of the hotel rap. That's so rude because you know what? He he had he had so many obstacles to go through to get, just get that shit together. Yeah, and meanwhile the Wanderers troop would have just shown up and started playing. Yeah. It was a different time. <laughs> yeah, a different time, a different flair. A thousand years ago, you know, there wasn't as many. It wasn't as theatrical. Before you needed permission to have a yard sale or a lemonade stand on the side of the street. Look, there were a lot of permits involved, okay? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Permits aside, eventually the Wanderers troop left Mari Jabari. I don't know how long they were there. I'm making it sound like they played there for years and years yeah. and just never left. <laughs> but at one point they left permitless yet again and headed to Mondstadt where the Ludi Harpatsum festival was getting ready to start. And for travelers who need a quick refresher on what that event is, we actually see it in the manga. 
And it's this event where a damsel is chosen and they like throw a ball balloon seed thing and then they basically go back to have unconsensual thingies with the head of the Lawrence clan. Disgusting. So in case you didn't know or didn't remember, the aristocracy, kind of shitty ass people. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of shitty ass people. Kind of. Just shitty ass people there's it's written somewhere within these artifact sets and weapon sets too that specifically the aristocracy didn't like stuff being written down mainly because they didn't want their own like vileness recorded and shown to other people they kind of knew how terrible they were and that's why there wasn't a library in Mondstadt yet yeah it was the description from that comes from the bell Mm. Anyone who doesn't want history to be recorded has fucked something up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trying to control the masses. I mean, 1984, am I right? Our wonderful wanderers troop, though, was like, this is fucked up. Yeah, so they were traveling around singing about everything that was happening. They're just strumming along like, Lawrence Clan, your farts fucking stink, you rapist-ass bitches. (laughs) Yeah, as they're, like, cutting people's throats open with (laughs) their blades. (laughs) And then... You know, singing a little jolly tune. Exactly. Justice is not clean, but it is fucking fair. But yeah, they show up basically to the city. They're like all hyped because they're like, this is the city of freedom. This is going to be lit. And then they're like, oh, oh. And specifically, our one guy, the Sojourner, he falls in love with this woman. And he finds out that that woman is the one who's doing the Ludi Harpat something. And he decides he's going to be a hero and he's going to save her and fall in love with her. And they're going to go live a beautiful, happy life. And he's going to write many love songs about her. In the Widsith, where they wrote all of their music, because they had no music. They came up with it on their own and then wrote it down in the Widsith that now Cleve throws bombs with. <laughs> yeah. And what I found interesting is that they never had sheet music and somehow they used words to transcribe their music. So the Widsith does actually have words written in it, but that's somehow the way that they would transcribe their songs. So that's why there's, you know, like musical notes coming from it. Well, there's kind of like a historical context for that, because when we look at songs during the medieval era and even earlier, like limericks, for example, like early portions of songs did not come with sheet music at all, but it was spaced like a poem. But if you knew the song, you would know how to sing the song, which is very interesting of like, it has to be kind of passed down. Well, it's also interesting because the Sojourner is from Fontaine and we know from other Fontaine lore that the civilization that was sort of in place before current modern Fontaine, they would use music as a language and as a means of communicating so it made me wonder if that was somehow tied in into that because you know this was a thousand years ago it could be however the only reason i'm not totally convinced is because this artifact set came out three years before fontaine did that doesn't mean yeah that doesn't mean anything You have to remember in the manga, they which came out before the game even started, they laid the boundaries for Natlon. Yeah, but they 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 retcon a lot of stuff, y'all. Okay, they've only retconned it in China, and I think it's because of Vanessa's outfit. They have not retconned any of the English versions of the stuff from the manga. I have to look back on that. But I literally just read a whole thing about it yesterday and looked. They do retcon certain things, but just not that thing. Yeah. 
I know that we've speculated that the knave switcheroo mm-hmm. might have been like a retcon thing. Like, oh shit, we can't make her this evil. Let's say that there's a different one. I will say, though, with the number of things that are out there currently about Matlon that have been out there for a while, they're going to have a really hard time retconning it. And I did read something yesterday about the manga being retconned, but I think it's only in China because I checked Webtoon and everything and it was still up here. Can you explain what retcon means? Because I'm not familiar with that. Take it back. It takes you back, Like they get rid of it. They're like, oh, no, we don't want that out there. overwrote pre-existing lore. For example, say, oh, this character's eyes are blue. In this update, they're green and they've always been green. Yeah, it's like the in-game Mandela effect. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I do think a lot of the stuff that we see them taking away is honestly mostly in China. And I do think it's censorship things. That's just my opinion from what I've personally looked at and seen. I mean, Vanessa's outfit is much more revealing than Mona's, who got a new fit because it was too revealing in the game. So it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I I like that parallel, though, that going back to those original Fontanians and how much music was important there. And especially knowing that the Sojourners from there, I think that's a great connection there. And maybe we just because we haven't done an episode on it yet. I'm just wondering if the Sojourner was a part of Remurian society if that was Mm. still happening a thousand years ago i know it was like more than two thousand but we haven't done all the the mathing on that yet so there's a lot of math to that quest and getting the timeline yeah fontaine is filled with math unfortunately oh my god I like the fact, though, that when the Sojourner did decide to leave Fontaine, he was leaving to find his destiny. And he was a ladies' man. So the ladies in the court of Fontaine wept that he left without saying goodbye. Like, he was the bee's knees. And yeah, because he was like a noble person from Fontaine who fell in love with a humble Mondstadt woman. It's very similar to Kari Bear's father. Yes, but also it made me think of the Bloodstained Knight because he had a similar type thing. He had a maiden fair that he loved. Well, he didn't really love her. He he like helped saved her and she was infatuated with him. And she was like, he was like, no, 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 please go on. No, 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 I can't. Please go My on. heart belongs to justice. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, but don't stop. <laughs> don't stop telling me how wonderful I am. <laughs> Are we sure it wasn't Sino? <laughs> It's just me on an off day. It's okay. (laughs) Sometimes we need to remember we're beautiful. Thank you, One Direction. (laughs) I know, too, a lot of fun. What? Do you want to finish that song? (laughs) That's what makes you beautiful. Okay. Now I know what song it is. I know that was a One Direction song. I do. But... My brain went, don't go chasing waterfowl. You're getting it wrong, Al. I know. Don't go chasing hilly trolls. Please stick (laughs) to the designated paths we set out for you. It's from Tignari's Field Guide. Have you not read it? No, I refuse. Wow. Okay, I I gotta go, guys. (laughs) You all are gonna get handbooks in the mail next week. All right. (laughs) Wait, is the rap like... I seen a lightning bolt yesterday. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Too many storms have come and gone. <laughs> and he's basically warning you. Yeah, Scarabouche is out there. Be careful, please. Did you just totally go into Moana there? 
No, that's the rap from Waterfalls. That's the left eye rap. Wow, I don't remember the rap. I seen a rainbow yesterday. You know that part? But too many storms to come and go. I you know, mean, if you want to go sadly. Moana, though, it could be, I've been sitting on the edge of the desert waiting for Sino to come home. <laughs> no, I was thinking of the, the one it. where it says, you're welcome. That oh, the crab. Thing. The crab. What? No, no, no. The, the, the crab that's played by the rock sings oh, it. Yeah, he's a crab? Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, the crab. I mean, the god? He's the god. <laughs> Maui. Are you confusing a god? Maui. god? <laughs> he fights I've a never crab. seen Moana, so I have no idea what y'all are he talking does. about. Yeah, it is, I'm sorry, it is Maui. I mixed him up with the crab. The crab is the evil one. I'm sorry. They got awfully crabby about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you think I was trying to make the god into a crab rangoon or something? Well, here's the thing. Maui can transform into a crab. He's also transformed into a worm, and that's how he died. Oh, that's like that thing that's like, would you love me if I was a worm? Yeah, no, you don't want to know how yeah, what no. he did when he was a worm, but he deserved what he got. <laughs> well, let me tell you, if this maiden in Monset turned into a worm, the Sojourner would love her nonetheless, because he ended up giving up his life for her basically yeah in a roundabout way i guess but was it worth it yeah i'm like nah yeah because i mean they they were like this is fucked up we need to do something about it and we're going to stage a rebellion <laughs> there's not many of us and this is a very bad idea maybe we shouldn't actually do it <laughs> yeah i do have some like logistical questions like i'd love yeah. to know what went through their head when they're like the four of us are going to overthrow the yeah. aristocracy that's been here for like hundreds of years uh -huh. it sounds like a great plan it's not like she perished like there's some time that happens between there because he has time to reflect and be sad about her being gone wait she died why i, I assumed they killed her really i assumed so but i mean i don't know everything i read was kind of like he talks about how he misses her smile and like his one regret in life is the fact that he fell in love and he didn't have time to sing love songs to his true love because she was gone oh my god i had no idea i thought that like you know she got whisked away to the bedroom of sir lawrence and that he was like nah i'm gonna stop this yeah yeah, no, I think like she didn't make it out or she didn't make it much longer after that. I don't know. I couldn't find anything definitive of exactly how. But yeah, so they, they had a little bit of time to like put their little rebellion together, too. I Yeah, I didn't see anything about her dying. I did see that she had a quote unquote miserable fate as the Ludihar Pastum princess. But I don't remember seeing anything about her death. I believe it's in the Sojourner ones. The Feather of Homecoming is about his sadness of actually losing his love. Most of his talk about her and his love with her, but they re it refers to her like as if she... <laughs> it wasn't like she was taken and he was like, well, now I can't see you. Like, you're spoiled goods or something. Like, it sounded as if... He couldn't love her anymore because she was no longer there to love. Mm. I mean, I'm sure once the upper echelon of the Lawrence clan takes a woman, that is their woman. Yeah, and I'm going to say if they found out that the Waters troop, whether they be four at the time or 20, were going to come and try and stage a rebellion, I'm sure that she wouldn't have lasted long as a Helena Troy type of thing. So it's about a woman. Because we're the bomb.com. We are. Get the shitty end of the stick. <laughs> <laughs> so they do their little rebellion um, and they fail at it. Unfortunately, Conductor and Sojourner do not actually make it even through the battle and they perish in the fight. But the Dawnlight Swordswoman and 
Portsley, they do make it out, but they do have a punishment. The Dawnlight Swordswoman actually is sentenced to be a gladiator. She's enslaved and becomes a gladiator, which is reminiscent of Vanessa's story as well. That's what mm. happens to her. And then for Kreutzli, we don't actually know. They didn't make it known what his punishment was. And it's assumed because of his privileged background, even though he like was a traitor and left them, they were still kind of like, oh, but you are nobility. Like he was, because he was high up there. So, you know, he probably got like a slap on his wrist type of thing. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting, too, about the Dawn Slate Swordswoman is we had mentioned earlier she became friends with Ragvinder. And so she gets sentenced to be this gladiator and Ragvinder like is still friends with her and still keeping up with her. I think you could almost suggest that they were lovers, too, although they never really say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, is it a friendship or a... So the Ragnvinder ancestor was a noble person. Mm-hmm. He might have been a knight, but I definitely know he was a noble person. Oh, he was a squire. A squire, that's right. Yes, thank you. So he was a squire, and I guess just he's like hanging out, you know, <laughs> in the area. <laughs> <As one> does. <laughs> and the Dawnlight Swordswoman, she would keep singing songs about freedom as she was imprisoned. And so she, that's how Ragnvinder sort of became friendly with her and inspired by her and was very disillusioned by the aristocracy himself, kind of like gradually became more and more disillusioned with them. So hearing her songs and getting to know her really inspired him. And it was after, you know, she died because he actually witnessed her death. And that's when he himself ended up taking up the name Don Knight Ragenvinder in her honor, which if you think about it is interesting because it trickles all the way down to what I'm assuming is the reason that we have the Dawn Winery. Yep. Now, we don't know if he actually started the Dawn Winery, but we know that he, I don't want to say worked there, but he was like a proprietor, proprietor, mm-hmm. an owner of the <laughs> I was trying to say it all fancy-like. He owns <laughs> the Dawn Winery, but we don't know, right? Fiends, I imagine you would know that for sure. We, did, we don't know if he actually started it. Right. No, I don't believe we know it, but I, I think it's pretty clear that it was him or at least an ancestor <laughs> because the Don Winery is totally named after him, especially with Krapus and Luke being his ancestors. And we do know that after Vanessa, you know, rebelled, the Dawn Knight, Ragnvinder, was friendly with her. He's the one that actually turned the aristocrats indoor baths into the library because they didn't have them. Yes, after the uprising that actually succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) But because of the Dawnlight Swordswoman, which is also, I think she's referred to sometimes as the Swords Dancer, he was so inspired that he actually, after his little slap on the wrist, he devoted his time to helping Vanessa. And he started a, he was so inspired by the Dawnlight Swordswoman that he actually aided in Vanessa's rebellion as well. Right, because to clarify a little bit for travelers too, because we got a little passionate. <laughs> when the Wanderers troop had their uprising, like Tiff said, two of them passed away and the other two found ulterior means. And not long after, the Vanessa uprising happened. So probably, I don't know, within five years. So not only did Ragnvinder, who was inspired by the Dawn's Light Swordswoman, help in the rebellion, but also... You mean Sword Dancer? Because I'm your sword dancer. <laughs> dancer for, for freedom. 
I'm going to have to put a whole like section on our page of all of the songs that we've referenced today. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this is the musical episode. Tales of Shabbat, the musical. Yeah. Like, we all just thought that Private Dancer was the song by Tina Turner, but no, it goes way further back. <laughs> it was brought here by Alice. <laughs> I mean,. But also, Crooksleed, who we mentioned earlier, was the other survivor. He was the banished member of the Lawrence clan originally. He also helps with the rebellion that Vanessa eventually leads. Mm-hmm. So both of them were like, our friends aren't going to die in vain. And we are going to lead a, an actual rebellion or at least be damn well part of it. Which is like really nice. Yeah. And then is rumored to have started the secret society. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was going to say that because so basically Kreutzlied, when he starts to get word of like what Vanessa's up to, or maybe even a little before that, it seemed he starts Mm -hmm. to put together like this underground network of people who are like fed up with the Lawrence clan and their bullshit. And he eventually with this underground network starts to help Vanessa. And I was thinking the same thing. I, I didn't realize there was like some confirmation about it. But I was like, I wonder if he created the secret network that D. Luke is now in mm-hmm. years later i i think so i think he is either the founder or part of the founding collection of peoples yeah he's rumored to have started it and then we you know we know that rostam later ran it Mm -hmm. he kept it going and then d luke later joined it so it's kind of funny that d luke has benefited indirectly by two members of the wanderers troop in a way and the really the last lore that you need to know about the wanderers troop themselves that is face value known is just that as we mentioned earlier earlier when the rebellion ends Ragenvender, who was not a member of the wanderers troop and kreuxlied were the last two related to the troop alive kreuxlied i do not think it is known what happens to him but Ragenvinder, you know who has watched his beloved die and he buried her with the flute which is really sad as we mentioned goes on to build the library of monstat in the bathhouses which is kind of like a big fuck you to the aristocracy who refused to write anything down. And that library used to be like six times bigger than it is today, but a lot of it burned down in a fire known as like the Great Ellipse Fire or something like that. And of course, freaking Enjo probably did it. He's a bitch. (laughs) But that library still stands today, and it's unknown if like the rest of the Knights of Pavonia's headquarters is made of bathhouses as well or is built on top of the bathhouses do we know if ragminder joined the knights of favonius because we know that that was started after vanessa's rebellion and everything like that do we know if he was a part of that or is it just happened at the same kind of time it's unclear if he ended up joining the knights or not they do mention that it's really not no one's really sure what happens to ragminder after the building of the libraries like they must have like gone on to have kids and shit because yeah. <laughs> you know d are real yeah it almost makes me curious and this is of course my own like monstrosity head thinking of course if he did join the knights and got together with vanessa and that would make d like vanessa's ancestor oh yeah interesting. Oh. although i don't know brandon the other day was like 
What if I told you I found lore that proves that D. Luke and Jean are related? No, I know, so... but I disproved myself. Like, <laughs> at, first, at first, I was like, "Oh no!" In this context, with a thousand years and like dozens of generations, it'd be like we'd be fine with it. I mean, if if I could go back a thousand years, I could go to someone in Poland right now and like we're technically cousins. In some way. Yeah, what do you do about that if you're, like, on Ancestry one day? Like, let's, like, pause for a moment and say, like, D. Luke, you know, gets an Ancestry test for, like, Christmas from Klee. And he, like, sends in his saliva and it comes back and he's, like, checking out the family tree. And it's, like, oh, you have a close relative in the city. And he's, like, what? And he looks and it's Jean and Barbara. That would, <laughs> you know, would have to as be. As crazy least... as that sounds, that's happened quite a bit to people. <gasps> But like, but like, their ancestry is like thousands of years old. Like, is that creepy? And the only is reason they normal? find out about it is because there was one surviving book from the library. Yeah, <laughs> like we found the one record. We that found the one book. The it's, by the way, it's the fire of fall equinox. But fall equinox. Yes. The question is, would that stop D. Luke? Ooh, <laughs> it would just make them even more cagey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that it happened. 1500 years before the time period that we're in now but the red-headed warrior in the Decarabian fight along with Venti was that a Ragvinder ancestor as well I mean I would assume it's not him because he didn't he probably wasn't alive for 1500 years I mean you never right. know <laughs> yeah who knows who knows what yeah, lifespans people yeah, have true. in this game <laughs> that is yeah true. I don't I'm not sure I just assumed that it was an ancestor like an even yeah, older ancestor but... it's highly like assumed mm -hmm. but there's no clear evidence there's no clear evidence of anyone really in that rebellion who they were except for venti and like his friend mm -hmm. i have a lot of questions about that because i recently read a fan fiction and the, the fan fiction was like from the perspective of venti's friend and it was really interesting because they they said like venti's friend was like a girl who was in love with the redhead in the scenes oh and that like really threw me for a loop because we're like oh well venti right venti took on the image and i'm like but that's totally possible venti wouldn't care about gender stereotypes mm -hmm. venti would go do whatever to honor a friend yeah. so i thought that was really interesting wait was this like a venti d luke fan fiction <laughs> no it was the unnamed bard redhead fan fiction <laughs> i'm just wondering if that author you know ships i mean venti d. Luke. they definitely do but it was really cute because they had it as like venti was almost like a cat like the wisp was like cat like i mean <laughs> Like, it got mad the when the two kissed type of thing. They'd be like, stop, pay attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, my um, delirious fanfic reading aside, I know that there's a lot of ways to connect this back into the game. And I know, Al, you've been really excited about a theory, too. Yes! So what are some thoughts around this? I mean, I have so many questions about the troop and, like, questions that aren't answered and questions that it makes me think of even more. I have one thing that's not really a theory about any of this, but I was reminded of this weird technicality thing where in the Favonius Codex, it's talking about Don Knight, Ragenvender, and like when he turned the baths into the library. And then it says that he that later grew into the largest library in the northern half of the continent. And I just suddenly had the thought, like, is Tvat just a continent? Is there like a whole other, you know, continent on this world 
I think so. Be- I, I remember very early on starting to play Genshin, they referenced Tevat as a continent and not mm-hmm. just like Tevat is what they called the world. Like we would call Earth, Earth. Right. And last week when we were talking about that fairy tale that Fremenay likes about the penguins, the legend of that fairy tale is that, you know, the penguins fell from, because they used to fly around outer space, but that they fell through the atmosphere and into the icy waters south of Tevat. So, you know, it kind of makes me think, oh, Tevat is just like this big landmass but maybe there's more on the other side of the, the world. Yeah, I think the lore of the, is it the Dark Sea as well, leads plays into that. Because it's kind of like, the Dark Sea is a place beyond the seven archons, beyond the gods. And I think it almost leads into, like, I've been thinking more and more and more that this is like the simulated universe in Star Rail. And I feel like it kind of plays into an idea like that. Of like, this is all simulation. The sky is fake. And there is more going on around us that we just can't see. I mean, we have a map and we know for a fact you can go to the top of Watasumi Island and look out to the Red Barrier and there is more water. Like, it's not, is this a cube? Is it just going off the edge or is there more out there? (laughs) And I do, the Dark Sea is referenced so many times. And the fact that there are different realms and they're making different layers. I definitely think there's more going on around us. And I feel like Shiznaya is going to really prove that. We're just a fleck of dirt on a very large hydro hypostasis. Yes, we are. You're right. Sorry. Anyway, just wanted to touch on the continent issue. No, absolutely. I think that's a really big point. And I think it also begs question to like, you know, you're always talking about the unified nation. There could possibly be people in the unified nation still around to this day who are living in the Southern Seas. Mm. But anywho, that's my two cents. on. <laughs> so there are a couple of theories that I have, but I wanted to draw a look into the parallels. We have four main players when it comes to the Wanderers troop. There were several that were very like, ah, this is quite obvious. So we have the Dawnlight Swordswoman, which could be a parallel to Jean. I also could see it as Barbara if it was like reverse Barbara, where she where she fulfilled her dream of being a great swordsman. Eula, of course, because she was like, no, I'm not going to follow my man's ideology. Fuck that. So join her. I went back and forth with this where it was a little bit of like well child because he's kind of a player whoop, whoop. <laughs> but he leaves fontaine specifically to find his destiny which speaks to fischl not so much then i'm like conductor and my theory of who the original conductor and who would be our current timeline parallel of the conductor relies specifically on the widsit And a couple of clues. Saul, follow me on this. So I think that the the original conductor was Alice's husband. (gasps) He's that old? Does that time make sense? Does the time make sense? The thing is, they're of a very long-lived race. Mm -hmm. We don't know how old. Like, Clay clearly looks eight, and she she is eight. She's baby. But she could be also thousands of years old. Alice, we know, is old. Right. And she does reference her husband, and she referenced that they've gone to the Mari Javari, but they've also referenced, like, they've made the Tavat travel guides together. 
And who else is going around the world visiting all these places? The wonder is true. So if you have the Witsmith on Klee, she might be using her father's weapon or her father's book as a weapon. Exactly. And there's a couple more references I'll go into, but like, of course, the Widsith, and it it wasn't just like everyone had their own weapon. The conductor had the Widsith, but it wasn't considered their signature because everyone wrote in the Widsith about their travels. So it was kind of passed between the troop. And then, of course, when it comes to the Widsith itself, it references the invisible strings of fate, which brought me to think of the Hexen Circle. And who else would we know is on the Hexen Circle? And it could actually be that the conductor may have been someone on the Hexen Circle who has... Mm, I like that theory. That's fun. Mm -hmm. But the only other thing that I wanted to bring up is the Widsith itself, before you ascend it, it has a very cute, like, witchy lamp, like when we saw in the Hexen Circle trailer and in Lisa's Burst, it's that very cutesy, like, lamp. And then you have a crescent moon. Well, when you ascend it, it's a fucking shining sun. Sun and moon, anybody? (laughs) Well, I, what's interesting about that is one of the songs, I forget if it's the Widsith. No, I think it is the Widsith. And one of the songs that it plays is Aria, which is one of the moon princesses. Yep. And then there's two more, but they're not the other two sisters. It, it's incredibly interesting, especially when you look at a Kruzthid. His name translated from German is a crusade song, which is, I don't know, a touchy thing. Because <laughs> like... Who who just thinks of a crusade song? But if we were to like kind of break it down, like people were thinking that they were doing something good, doing something that is to them considered the right thing to do. It could be tied into the fact that he made the underground network to oust the really dickish aristocracy. There are small things like that. And the fact that when we look at the artifact set, we look at the weapon set, we look at the other artifact set, there really isn't anything on the conductor. Like nothing. As if they've kind of been erased uh, from Ermensel. And it's possible. I'm breaking my own theory up at this moment because I'm like, it's 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 so complicated. We know Klee's dad is either dead as a, as we have theorized that she's just saying, oh yeah, no, he's he's traveling with me, Clee. Your dad's not dead. He's just traveling, you know, like your your dog goes to the farm up north. <laughs> it's like, don't worry, Charlie's up north having good fun with the you know sheep and the cows. Yeah. I was gonna say the only thing I I didn't like about the theory is I can remember Clee saying like, oh, my dad went out on a travel trip or whatever i don't remember exactly what Cleese says about it but it is interesting I-, I have a very hard time personally believing that Clee is a thousand years old and this is just my own headcanon issue i think but like i kind of see her as if she was older she would act more like bailu in star rail who acts a little older despite having like the child body because she's like a dragon and she's older or even like a nahida you know like wise in a baby's body type of thing i mean there is something to be said for that but i feel like because alice is the way alice is would have maybe babied clean for a thousand years that she still colors yeah 
<laughs> but you never know. I mean, this game is it gets more and more timey wimey as we go. She could have just time traveled. <laughs> There's also that idea that it's some weird stipulation of time that maybe the conductor may have not necessarily died, but like w the conductor has been traveling through time. Well, he's dead. I mean, he's dead, dead, but that doesn't mean he he didn't, you know, travel because like he's dead holding his hat. There could be, I mean, you could explain it a million ways. Like, they could have had Klee back then, and then she got, like, frozen in time or something until recently. Also, just remember, too, with the travel guides, you know, you brought that up earlier. We know that Zhang Li was Alice's guide in Liwei. Now, we don't know how old that travel guide is, but we do know that the Inazuma guide gets released, like, after Inazuma, so, like... For all we know, Alice is like currently out there writing the travel guides. And so that's why I bring I bring us to like it's the hourglass, the concert's final hour. And maybe this is why I'm thinking it's more timey wimey, but I'll just read it. The troops hourglass, which is also a harp, the tune becomes deeper with the passage of time. When the performance has come to an end, the troop would play this harp. As time passed, the tune of the harp became deeper. The sound of the harp dying down marked the end of the show. Everything has an end, and the troupe was no exception. One by one, each member of the troupe met their fate, and their instruments were buried deep in the dust. As the harp fell silent, the final sound heard from the musical troupe was the faint trickle of sand as it slid down the hourglass one final time. And I do agree, the conductor is dead. But I do think there's timey-wimey shit. Yeah, I just feel like people who are gods and archons live on a different plane when it comes to time. But I feel like our normal ass people, they're more in a, while it's maybe not like to 100 years, maybe they live to 300 years. But like, I don't know why. I don't know if I have anything to say for that. But it just feels like those people are just normal people. But that's just, that's my opinion. I will say it's interesting because we don't know if the Wanderers troop is all human either. Like, they could be other things, for all we know. I mean, True. let's be honest, two of them are from Fontaine. They're freaking Oceanids. Like, they're already magical. <laughs> it would be before the Oceanids, right? If it was Romeria? Actually, so I know I was sort of wondering if uh, the conductor or the sojourner was from Romerian rule. I'm going to cautiously say it was probably after, because I believe Romeria sort of switch over after the Archon War ended, which would have been like 2000-ish years ago. So I think that's when Egeria came into the picture, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if Egeria was around, then I guess that means that they could have been Oceanids, right? I think they have to have been, because 500 years ago is when Egeria died. So were the humans in Fontaine only around for 500 years or less? Well, no, because there were the Remurians. Yeah, I I'm just saying with the Cataclysm is when Egeria dies and leaves her shit show yeah. in the hands of Fossilors. Mm -hmm. And that's also when Nouvellet shows up. Yeah. So if what we're talking about right now with the Wanderers troop takes place a thousand years ago, you would have to say that the Oceanids were humanized less than 500 years. You know what I mean? Like more or less than 500 years ago. Uh -huh. And I don't know when Egeria said, let there be humans. <laughs> but I feel like it was probably a while before Celestia caught on to it. I don't know. Yeah, I guess we don't know for sure. And we know Egeria became the Archon when the Dragon Lord was killed. Mm-hmm. Because she was kind of supposed to replace the light of the ocean, you know, and become that thing. 
Right. So I don't know. It's it's a really interesting question. And, you know, we'll have to probably do an episode on Romaria one day. Definitely. And get out your pens and calculators for that one. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I did want to throw in one more thing personally, which is just that the interesting thing in this whole rebellion, in my opinion, is the lack of venti. Yeah. And to know that, you know, very shortly after this rebellion, venti helped Vanessa run a rebellion. It's like, wow. It feels like a dick move. Eh? Well, he was still asleep. <laughs> he was still in his slumber. But what made him wake up, right? Because the one thing we've learned about Venti is that, like, the call of the people wake him up. When the people need him, he shows up. Maybe it, maybe it's because Vanessa had a preordained fate. Possible. It could be that when the troop failed the people started to turn back to venti and were like yo the the troop we had faith in for like a hot second gone we need help desperately mm, yeah Do you think it could also be one of those things where it's like oh we've been living the same status quo life for years and now these outsiders came in and showed us that this actually is wrong and maybe we shouldn't be willing to live this life yeah where like the will of the people shifted after the wondrous troop failed i could see that yes i'm sure after seeing them literally get slain yeah i mean if you think about it you have two people from monstat afterwards minimally who have a big effect from this and that's ragenvinder who is upset after his beloved and up a gladiator who later dies and also you have Croixlead, who is from the Lawrence clan, is from that aristocracy and is like, did you see what they did? This is why I left. And creates his underground network, which I'm sure also stirred the people. Like, people who in the network were probably like, fuck yeah, gotta get rid of Dean. There's a quote from the Dawn Light Swordswoman to Ragenvender that said, wherefore do you place their lives on a pedestal if you claim to know the wind as your companion, then did you not once know freedom too? So I think the Dawn Light Swordswoman just inspired Ragenvender and then Ragenvender picked up a dandelion and blew on it and was like, help us. <laughs> and then Venti woke up. Damn, I wish I could That's get help beautiful. by doing that. <laughs> it's the way venti communicates or people communicate with venti and now i all i can think of is the spongebob the spongebob episode where they're sending message via bubbles but it's just ragander screaming into a dandelion spit flying everywhere i'm just thinking of the audacity of venti to want me to give up my dandelion seeds you know how hard i work to get those seriously <laughs> One thing that I thought was of interesting note with the Wanderers Troop weapon series, people really did not like to keep weapons after people died. So the bell was soaked in acid after the troop disbanded and the gears rusted and don't work anymore. So it used to actually be, you can tell in the design, it looks like a clock and that clock no longer works because they put it in acid, but it used to keep time and like rhythm for the troop when they sang. So it had another purpose to itself too. With the flute, after the troop was disbanded, it got buried. Well, I think it got buried with Dawn Light Swordswoman, but it was dug up and it no longer had the ability to sing like it once did. Like its voice was gone, which makes sense because she was gone. With the stringless, like we said, it was a harp that used to be made of all these strings of different materials. And then after the disbandment, the strings were cut, etc. 
except for the bowstring. So it could no longer be played like a harp. It was just used as a weapon. And then, yeah, the Wood Sith was the notebook that contained all their music and stuff like that, but it was buried with the conductor along with his hat. Because he loved his hat. But there's some really neat, interesting things with the artifact sets themselves when it comes to, you know, obviously the Sojourner artifact set talks more about him and the Maiden and his sadness and some of the troops' final days. It's a little bit more on the sadder side. The Wanderer's Troop artifact set is more about each individual person and them as a troop themselves. So it's pretty cool. We I know we've said it before when we talk about any of the artifact sets. It's amazing how much is actually buried in there. So much hidden lore. Yeah, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I love it that the bell was their metronome. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it makes sense because it always, it did look like like a clock up there at the top. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was neat. It absolutely is. Well, I think that before we get buried with our microphones, it's time to end the pod. <laughs> if you like this episode or you'd like to give us some topic suggestions, please feel free to send us an email, talesatthebotpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, talesatthebotpod, or Twitter, talesatthebot. Next week is our dun 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 season finale. In our season three finale, we will be talking about the descenders. As per usual, we like to talk about the heaviest topic ever in our episode. (laughs) So uh yeah, be ready. We're really excited to come back next week with that episode. But don't worry, there will be more later. (laughs) With that being said, safe journeys, travelers. We'll see you next time. Bye, flautist nerds. I'm a flautist. I actually am. You should play us some flute. I should. I'm going to put that thing out.